Welcome to X2M79. We're going to find out what that means here in a minute. Right, Whitaker? I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, who planned this meeting? But the Lord, right? Psalms 93. While we were out there talking, that's what I kept hearing the word just say, go to that one. So I'm like, okay, what is Psalms 93? It says the psalmist is affirming that the Lord is the king of the universe who preserves order and suppresses the destructive forces in the world. So out of your mind, out of the news and everything else that's going on because the Lord is the king of the universe. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He wears strength around his waist. Indeed, the world is established and it cannot be moved. Your throne has been secure from ancient times. You have always been king. So from antiquity, even, even beyond and outside of time, even pre-existent time, even uncreated time, God has always been in charge. God's in charge. Nothing's taking him off guard with any of us. He has you in his hands, even outside of created space. His royal position is intact. The waves roar, O oh Lord, the waves are roaring. The waves roar and crash. Above the sound of the surging water and the mighty waves of the sea, the Lord sits enthroned in majesty. Maybe even in your mind you could like be taken up, taken up. It starts to visualize the one who sits on the throne, who's not surprised with anything that's happening right now on the earth, but he has everything in his hands and he says, he's enthroned in majesty. The rules you set down are completely reliable. Holiness aptly adorns your house forever.
But when I stumbled, they rejoiced and gathered together. They gathered together to ambush me. They tore at me without stopping to rest. And when I tripped, they taunted me relentlessly and tried to bite me. Oh, Lord, how long? Are you gonna just stare and stand there and watch this happen? Rescue me from their destructive attacks. Guard my life from the young lions. He says, then I'll give you thanks in the great assembly. I'll praise you before a large crowd of people. And then listen to this in Job, because I, I got a sense from the word. This this is about is this word. It's it's um it's brought to my attention. It, it means to return. It, it's the word. Uh, let me see if I can bring this uh, to shub. Uh, shub in the, in the Hebrew. It means, generally it means to turn back or to return. 
um, Job had really been going through it. And he says, uh, he says in 27, that the person sings to others saying, I have sinned and falsified what is right, but I was not punished according to what I deserved. He redeemed my life from going down to a place of corruption and my life sees the light. Indeed, God does all these things, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, in his dealings with a person. Why? But to turn back, to turn our lives back, to turn it back his life from the place of corruption that he might be enlightened with the light of life. Pay attention, Job. Listen to me. Be silent and I will speak. If you have any words, reply to me. Speak, for I want to justify you. If not, you listen to me and be silent and I will teach you the wisdom of God. Hey, many of us in here, many, and I, I feel this from the Lord. Uh, we've been through so much. We've been through a lot in our families and situations and some of us have had to face physical issues, financial issues, relational issues. Sometimes it looks like it's like a termination point. But Job, Job, Elihu was saying to Job, listen, listen, I didn't do this. The reason I, I did this was to turn you back from the place of corruption that you may be enlightened with the light of life. I've not allowed these things in your life just to put you into a bad spot. I've allowed them because I'm turning you into the light. And some of us, you know, you know, we've had to mourn, we've been through some stuff. But mark the words of the Lord today, return. You know, sickness has no place with us. Lack has no place with us. We're the Lord's. Disease has no place with us. Lack has no place with us. The shop is on us to return. Yeah, you did two or three times to us, Lord. But why? Oh, because he's going to put on incorruption. What has been corruptible will be made incorruptible. I've got an incorruptible seed in me. Suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You're turning us into the light. The dawn has come. And in 
who is like this judge he took my sins to death oh on that tree who is like my love he wants to know me so intimately and it's only a little while that I sit in darkness oh rejoice not against me you enemies for when I fall I shall arise oh the Lord is my light the Lord is my dawn oh the new day has come oh he will save us oh, and the Lord is my Cast, O soul, the king has come, the dawn has arose. Oh, sing out, O heart of mine, and praise the king who has lifted me out from the clay. Jesus is Lord, there's no enemy that can stand in his It's only a little while Oh, that I sit in darkness And rejoice not against me, oh enemy The dawn has come, oh the dawn has arrived The Lord is my today. May he become famous in Israel. He will encourage you and provide for you when you are old. And for your daughter-in-law who loves you, has given him birth. She is better to you than seven sons. And Naomi took the child and placed him on her lap and she became his caregiver. And the neighbor women named him saying, a son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed.
wounds, one who serves. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Maker of heaven and earth. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Now he became the father of Jesse, David's father. My help comes from you, Lord. Oh, the flood's in Bay Rise. Oh, the Lord is mine. 
giants We've got the word of the Lord They may have swords and shields And armor They may have tanks and guns promises now I'm walking in faith on the words hold oh, the precious words of his mouth and we've been in this desert too long let's take a chance and be strong Come into this wilderness for nothing. We can take these giants. Because oh, we've got the word. 
of the Lord. Nothing can take us down. Oh, no giants could keep us out. Oh, it's our promised land. It's our promised land. Either what he says is true or it's not. And he's not a liar, only the giants are. There is something better out there, and we're on the verge of a great outpouring. Let us err on the side of faith. Let's trust only in his way, the way of the Lord, and we will find. Oh, if we walk out of this wilderness, right now and not look back there's his promise and we can take these giants because oh, we've got the word of the lord oh come on come on come on Cause we can take, we can take these giants. Ooh. Cause we've got the word of the Lord. Mm. Oh, and there's nothing that can take us down. No giants, they could keep us out. It's our promised land. It's our promised land. You hold all things. You hold all things, you hold all things, everything consisting you. You hold all things, you hold all things by the word of your son, the word of your mouth, the word poured forth like flesh, and it dwells, and it dwells, the word among us, the word among us, the word among us. We the word we've got the word Ooh. 
Psalms chapter 23, verse 20. I am going to send an angel before you to protect you as you journey and to bring you into the, the place that I have prepared for you. John 14. Behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, there you may be also. Yeah. Release the angelic realm, Lord. Release, Lord. Let's err on the side. 
not bow down to their gods, you must not serve them or do according to their practices. Instead, you must completely overthrow them and smash their standing stones to pieces. You must serve the Lord your God and he will bless you with bread and your water. The Lord will take care of our provision and I will remove sickness from your midst. No woman will miscarry her young or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you, and I will destroy all the people whom you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you, and I will send a hornet out before you to drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite before you. He's not going to drive it out in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild animals multiply against you. But little by little, I'm driving them out before you until you become fruitful and inherit the land. I will set your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river. For I'm going to deliver the inhabitants of this land into your hand. And you will drive them out before you. You must make no covenant with them or with their gods. They must not live in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Right. 
brighter than ever. Come morning star. Oh, in faith. Come morning star. And burn brighter than ever. You will burn, you will burn, you will burn brighter than Brighter than ever, bright and morning star, bright and morning star, you will. Oh, we place our fear, oh, we place our fear with faith.
So we, uh, I just want to speak to this because I'm, and I'm not up on this, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best here. Uh, the Lord says something to me like this. He's like, uh, right now I'm dealing with uh, Shema Yaze. Now, you know, I don't know what that is. And I found out it's a, uh, it's a fallen angel. Okay? Uh, and I just found out just now it's in the, uh, the war scroll. <laughs> and I didn't know that. You know, I'm not, like, putting something together here, trying to make something happen. What happened was, what's going on in this uh, uh, meeting this morning is, the Lord told me, he said, you're rounding Cape Horn which was a picture of Psalms 110.4. You know, I've been, uh, t you know, teaching one, two, three, uh, four. You are a priest forever after order of Melchizedek. And we're coming around into verse five this morning. And it's, a, it's like a return, uh, you know, you're, you're going this way. And so there's a lot of limitation when you get to the edge or the point out and, you know, right to the edge. Like even, like even Cape Horn, if you think of like a ship, shipping industry and thing going around the Cape and it's very uh, treacherous and dangerous around the Cape. Uh, we have the Panama Canal and different canals to help going around capes but the, of course the Panama Canal in South America, Cape Horn I believe, right is that Africa? Okay but you say you're rounding the Cape and that uh, we were and you know I didn't prepare for this with Stephen and he's like coming back around and he's like look at the light coming back around now return uh, into five and it says you know I will wound the heads over many countries I believe that's how it goes up make sure I'm giving you the right on this um, Psalms 110.5, O sovereign Lord, at your right hand, he strikes down kings in the day he unleashes his anger. And so we, the Lord's like, we're going around the Cape, and then Stephen starts his song, right, Giants. And, you know, what king is he striking? He tells me I'm dealing with Shimiaza, uh, which, of course, I don't know who that is. So, yes, sir, Lord. I mean, first he's like, go to Exodus 23, 20. I'm going to release an angelic front uh, that's going to go out in front of our camp. We're coming around in return, coming back up the Cape. We're coming back. We're going to go back five, six, seven, because the Lord's going to release this, this ministry. Now, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but, I mean, it's being released obviously but, but he's given angelic to deal with this in the heavens and so our worship and our praise this morning is it's working right right now um, I watched this before Brexit happened when I watched the Lord show me a, a, a demon in the second heavens and knock it out with an angel in the second heavens and then I said, what's that? He says, it's a demon that's over Europe. And then Brexit happens. He's like, see what I mean? I was like, yeah. And so right here in this room in a corporate meeting, the Lord had got mad apparently at Shimiaza because they had come down and produced Nephilim offspring in, in Noah's time, or, you know, in that time. And so 
can pray into this and ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's interesting his name has Shem in it to me because Hashem, the name, we would have to have the name to deal with this kind of level of, uh, of uh, power. Uh, the Lord is set, showing us that the man-child will knock into Revelation 12 will begin to displace uh, the powers that are in the air because, you know, Satan is going to be knocked out of his position in the second heavens. He's knocked out of the third heaven by the Lord. He's in the second heavens, and his whole demonic horde is in the second heavens with him, but they have to be knocked out of that because the Lord's going to put the church into those seats. Uh, because we're rising into a place of, of authority that was lost to Adam because he gave up that to the enemy because he tricked him, right? To take up those throne sites in the nations. Well, well, Shimiaza is getting his uh, bill read to him this morning. You know, and, uh, and I would just challenge our whole team to just go and uh, dig into this and get our material on it. Yeah, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us because I know this word I don't know this word and I didn't know it's in the war scroll um, let me just see if I can pull some material here on this it also it's in the book of Enoch the book of the watchers the first section of the book depicts interaction of the fallen angel with mankind Shimiaza compels the other 199 fallen angels to take up human wives to beget us children. He said to the others, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed. I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And so they swore an oath together to do it, and they descended to the earth on Mount Hermon. This procreation results in the creation of the Nephilim, which is what we call the giant. That's You had the Anakim and the Raphaim that came out of the Nephilim. Anak deals in the realm of the provision. Raphaim deals in the area of healing. And these giants were in the land of Canaan and uh, you know they had to take them out. And so, so the giants are like half angel, half man. And they consume up the resources and they, they turn mankind to themselves because they would teach them the art of war. And, they taught them all kinds of magic and tricks, trickery and sorcery. And so, it, no, it, it was a relatively small number of fallen angels compared to how many are implied in the, to exist in later uh, stories. And so the teaching, it discusses teaching of humans by the fallen angels chiefly. Aziel, he taught them about weapons, magic, various other things to mislead them and to lead them into violence. And so, uh, I just say yes to this. Yes, Lord. I, you know, uh, I, I, if I understand correctly, and I, I would recommend reversing Herman probably by uh, Dr. Michael Heiser as a context for Mount Herman to understand it. Uh, that was the mount that Jesus was transfigured on. There's a transfiguration that happens with God's people and an attaining up into the divine council like uh, Tom Gross and I was talking this morning. Is there's, an, a, there's a divine council, and so they come down into Mount Hermon to displace 
and to do things that were wicked. And when Jesus demonstrates in Matthew 17, transfiguration, he's saying a lot more than just, he's saying this territory is mine. But, but again, I would recommend reversing Herman because it's a good text on what's happening probably with us to understand divine counsel imagery and the throwing down of these powers out of the second heavens into the first heavens. It says in that day, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it said in that day, Michael is going to stand up. Michael the archangel, right? Listen to this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who watches over your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress unlike any other from the nations beginning up to that time. But that at that time, your people, all whose names are found written in the book, will escape. And many of those who sleep in the dusty ground will awake. Some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting abhorrence. But the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse. And those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have this boldness, we have this access, we have this confidence through faith in him. And so, do not lose heart.
may be asking, I don't know if you asked this question, but what does Shimiyaza got to do with us? Let me tell you something. Those guys are sitting in those seats because Adam gave them up. And do you know what that means? That means to some extent they have charge over territories and regions. Because when man gave up their right, they had a right to go sit in those seats. What does this have to do with anything? That guy's not in charge. If he's not in charge, someone else is. Do you understand? Righteousness can reign over territory. I don't know where it's at. I don't know, I don't know all that. But, you know, we think of offices that are here on the earth. But think of the offices that are running the things in heavens. They're being vacated out of their positions. They can't, they can't coordinate because you coordinate in military action from a higher vantage point. If they're being knocked out of their vantage point, they can't coordinate. But we can. You see why it matters? Because they're running stuff on the ground that's taking the life of children. It's destroying families. It's creating havoc in our families and in our nations. These guys, have, they've been sitting in those seats. Yeah, Adam gave up something really, 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 really important. But Jesus, by his blood, paid for the church to rise and sit in a place of governmental authority. It's a political move. And someone's got to take the vacant seat and sit in and adjudicate what is right out of the heavens, right? To put a stop to this. Now I'm sick of it. And, and we have to be. We want these guys knocked out of their seats all throughout the nations to lose their positions and their vantage point. And the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And the Lord rebuke you and all your powers all over and dominion sites all over the earth. This created havoc and turned man against man. No, we are tired of it. So yeah, does it matter? Yeah, because their policies affect us every day. Why? Because man gave up their right to govern. Man lost their position. But no more. No more. No more.
good job, the Lord said. <laughs> yeah, way to go. That is like big camp. Yeah, way to go there. Amen, church. Way to go. Hashem displacing Shem Yeaza through us, right? Yeah, amen. 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 Well, way to go today. Wow. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll probably see things happen. You know, just watch it. It'll happen. I'm just going to second that because yeah. I was getting ready to say through the mic, watch. Really? Because it will change. Yeah. Something changed. Yeah. Yeah. Have faith. He is the reality. Something changed. Yeah. We may not know what it is. May not know his name. We'll find out later. I'm sure that's the way God is. But yeah, something changed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you have like your papers uh, from last a couple weeks ago. I see uh, Austin's right there. Way to go! I'm really He's proud so of you. I mean, just on top of it all the time. But if you have a pencil, piece of paper, we did this a couple weeks ago. But I'm going. I'm going to present. Again on this, and then we're going to wrap that horn this morning on uh, verse 4, and then look at verse 5 today out of Psalms 110. So if you want to get, um, do you have any paper and pencils? Like, If you need paper and pencil and something to write on, is it, we're not going to make it super complex, but, or, but it is, but it won't have to be. But what I want you to do is, and I mean, you could draw it on a phone maybe, I don't know if you're, you know, into that. But what we want to do this morning is a couple weeks ago, I presented Psalms 110, 1 through 7 as a uh, chiastic uh, pattern in Hebrew. Uh, it's, a, it's a poetic device called chiasm. And all chiasm is, is there's a corresponding number or a match that matches between two verses. So like, do you need a piece of paper, Melinda? Melinda needs a piece of paper, too. All right, I'll wait just a minute. I can see everybody's got to adjust himself. Thank you. One of the, um, the reasons why, and just to introduce uh, why it's important for us to look at Psalms 110 is because the, the apostolic company said it was because they dealt with it the most out of any passage in the old covenant and if it's that important to the apostles who are laying the the foundational apostles that are right beside the throne right now if if, if that's that important to them then i believe for in context to end time events and here we are coming at the end of an age moving into an end time you know because I, I was informed by the lord i'm going to raise up an end time ministry out of this ministry and so he didn't say a last days ministry because the last days ministries, they dovetail right into the end time ministries. And so we, you're in an end time ministry that is about to be released in a more public way. Uh, we, we're being prepared by the Lord uh, in private to be released into public. And um, that's going to be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. But the, the apostle, numerous of the apostles, they... They, they quoted Psalms 110, verse 1, at least 25 times in the New Testament. And 110, 1, 25 times 
The Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies a footstool. And so verse 4 of Psalms 110, which is what we were talking about this morning about rounding the horn. And and I'm going to show you how this works. Five times they quote, I swear and I will not repent. You're a priest forever after the water of Melchizedek. I'm not going back on my word and I'm making a solemn vow. And folks, we know if God's making a vow to something, his word is eternal and true. He framed the, he framed the worlds out of the power of his word, Hebrews 1. I mean, by the power of his word, he did this. And so God's word, if he says, I swear, and I'm not going back on it, you're a priest forever after order of Melchizedek. It is. Now, what happens, what happens before that in 1101, and, uh, and I've got a document on this. I actually wrote this document up 12 years ago. I wrote this document up 11 years ago this uh, April 17th, but actually uh, April, it was around April 10th or, or so, I wrote this document up. And I was handing it out to MZ Hop back then. And I think people are looking at me with glassed over eyes and I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, I'm so excited now to say that it's finally happening. I was a little bit ahead of myself. I got, I kept going in and out of space time and the Lord's like, you you know, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to go tell everybody, let's get this going. You know, let's get this party going. Uh, So we jumped out there in 2010. Um, Everybody's still looking at me sort of glassy-eyed. What's he talking about? That guy, I can't understand a word he's saying. You don't know how many times I've heard that. And the Lord told me, he said, put a flag in the ground. Don't worry about what anybody says to you. Just keep saying it. I'm going to bring this into being. Well, I'm happy to report to you. Here we are. (laughs) Finally. And, and so I want to look at 1101, then we're going to move around the cape, the horn, and then we'll, we'll get into uh, the, some of the war scroll material. But every text without a context is a pretext. Meaning that if you don't give some explanation around what you're saying, people don't know what you're talking about. You ever try to just say something to somebody that doesn't know you and they assuming that they're on the same page? We've all done it. You know, and they're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to try to make this, as, make this as easy as I can. And so in 1101, what you're dealing with is a priestly dimension. And uh, what I suggest to you is there are seven aspects of priesthood. I'm not going to go through all of those this morning, but there's six priesthood and one high priest. And so what happens with us is God is working priesthood into us. Uh, we're, become, we're a kingdom of priests, uh, it says in Revelation. And so there's like an upgrade in your priesthood, in your human development. And uh, many of you in here have been in leadership. Some of you run businesses. Some of you run leadership in the church because you were passing through pastorates or priesthood training or worship leading or even writing or wherever you've been. When God trains you, he trains you as a priest first. And so in verse 1, the idea is, is that eventually 
you would get to such a place where the enemy can't keep eroding your rest, your sense of peace. And you could sit in it and be in the middle of things happening all around you and you're, um, you're going to be okay. You're just like, you know what? The enemy's underneath my feet. And you can bring all this stuff, but the Lord's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. My cup's overflowing. You know, take that. Pressures are coming from every side, but in priesthood, what you're learning is to just steal yourself and wait on the Lord. But in the priest dimension, there's qualities of God that he's looking for in you to develop in you. And um, I got this off of listening years ago with Mike Bickle because he brought out the heart quality of one who sits while their enemy is being made a footstool. Listen to some of these heart qualities out of the priest dimension. Relentlessness and the confidence in the mercy and the sovereignty of God. David had this heart quality of God's in charge of everything. I'm not, he is. Sovereignty. That doesn't mean that I don't do something in partnership with him. Sovereignty doesn't mean that, but he's sovereign. He's also merciful. David will say something like this. And goodness and what? Will what? Yeah. All the days. He's saying, guys, mercy. I blew it. He's merciful. I'm, I'm convinced that if I blew it, and I repent, and I push the lead on it, his mercy is going to overtake me. I'm not beat up by my past. Because the mercy's following me out of my past to come in. It means, follow me there, it means to be overtaken by. There's a confidence in me that, okay, something went wrong. Lord, I, I repent. He said, oh, I'm merciful. You know, I got this saying, it's, uh, I want to be done with this. I, hey, let's just get done with this. They're not hanging around with a guilt complex because God's merciful. You see how important that is? Things try to take you and I down all the time based in the past. And the Lord's like, Manasseh, cause one to forget the tolls of your father's house. Forget about it. I do. That forgetting is one of the most beautiful things that can happen to us. Let God's mercy overtake you when you retain your past you're not being confident that I'm going to sweep you up in my mercy. The Lord with me, if I do something, it's off. He said, hey, I say, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, you know what? I'm done with it. Far, you know, I'm out. Let's move on, right? So there's this sort of push delete. Let's move on. Would die for love. Heart quality. You know, any kind of self-retention, self, I'm going to hold on to me. No, no, no. No, we learn in priesthood that, we learn in sitting, that my life bring it, but I'm going to go for love. Because love never what? You have a confidence that if you choose love, it will not fail you. Hey, your finance might fail, your health might fail, the world might teeter off of its complete axis, but love will not fail. Like you're confident in it. You, change, you place your confidence in that love that if I choose love, 1 Corinthians 13, if I choose that path, it's not going to fail me. Don't care what anybody, love will not fail. 
I pick me. <laughs> that don't go so well, does it? No, nope, don't go well, it fails. <laughs> contemplative. He's a contemplative. What is that? A diff- there's a difference between meditation and contemplation. What's the primary difference? Contemplation is the quiet. It's coming apart into the stillness. Jesus often what? Withdrew to lonely places and what? He prayed and this idea is he contemplated God. He had his eyes on him and he waited. We call this blank contemplation. We call it in this ministry blank slate. I'm basically clearing everything off. I'm like, I don't have a, I'm not bringing my stuff. I had an amazing day yesterday, but yesterday's not sufficient for today. I come with a blank slate. I'm contemplating then because I'm clearing off what my constructs, ideas, thought processes, everything. That's contemplation. And a lot of us lead into contemplation by what's called meditation. So we meditate on God's word or through the song. That's what happens to us here on Sundays. We don't, I, we don't know anything. We're, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, welcome to God's mode of leadership. We have a clue what we're doing, right, Steve? I mean, all of us, we don't have a clue. We don't even know what we're getting ourselves into every week. Don't know what passage to go to. Don't know what to teach. Nothing. Why? Because discursive meditation or the discourse with God by meditation, by the song of the Lord, the written word of the Lord, leads you into blank slate contemplation. Because you can't have your own mind and be a priest who sits. Because your own mind has its own ideas about things, and they may be off. Anybody ever notice that? Contemplation, uh, listen to this one, common danger. There's that song I was thinking of, that song, Elizabeth, Danger. Anyways, it's like, what is that, like Spider-Man or something? That's a cool song. I don't know if y'all heard. I think that might be our deal. Excuse me. Common Danger. You know, like everything's like heating up and everything. You're just like, whatever. (laughs) They're going to get me. So, um, Common Danger, Childlike Wonder in God. David, you would, you like that, because you're just like that. He has a nature like that, so do you. <laughs> it's a childlike wonder. It's like, you know, like, oh my, oh. Like, look at the stars. Squirrel, you know. It's like that. It's the best, you know, kids, and and like be like that. Uh, Humble, humble. What is humility? It is not. It isn't a disposition towards I don't amount to anything. Let's just say that humility is complete dependence upon the Lord. And it can appear to be arrogant to some people, but you're just completely like I don't do anything of myself, for myself, or with myself. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I wait on the Lord. That's humility. Teachable even with your enemy. Somebody has some kind of comment. Oh, man, that'll get you priesthood off of the... I've got off my seat a lot on that one. Like sometimes you perceive the enemy wrongly, and then sometimes it really is an enemy to you. And they're trying to bait you. You know, I... Learn this. I think this one gets me more than anything, but what can you learn from what your enemy is saying to you? 
okay, they're wrong on like 98% of what they're doing. But how can I be instructed in this? I can learn something from my enemy. I always say this, your enemy's the one that's going to promote you. Your enemy's where you get promoted. You know, that's how it works, guys. I mean, they, if he would have knew that he was the king of glory, he wouldn't have took his life. I don't know how the devil didn't know that. I mean, he is an idiot, you know. I mean, it's like, there's Jesus, the very son of God, begotten of the Father. No, he's, the enemy's probably like, oh, he's just a carpenter from Nazareth. He didn't understand anything. I mean, he promotes the Lord. Where's the Lord sit, sit right now? Right hand of the Father. He killed him. Now look where he's at. Your enemy is the one that will promote you, so let him. <laughs> Generous. Like, I live to give. Like, you're looking for another opportunity to bless. If you get into, uh, Stephen has been mentioned this out of Deverne Fromke, the nature of God in us is to give, not grasp. If I find myself hunkering down because I'm going through something and my heart isn't giving, hey, I'm telling you, I learned this the hard way. I've learned that if I start to hunker down in what I've got and I start to measure my counts and everything, the enemy's baiting me to get me out of a place of seededness. Find something to give it away. I remember these guys over in, uh, they were saying, these Africans or whatever, and this preacher's preaching, and he said, um, he said, bring something to the house of the Lord. And they're just like, we don't have anything. This one guy brings a pen. That's all he had. That week in the mail, somehow he gets 100 pins. <laughs> hey, don't be like stingy because you can't stay seated that way. You can only stay seated as a giver because God is not a grasper. John 3, 16. Don't miss that verse. I gave up the best of the best right? He's a giver, all right? So he's generous, modest in prosperity. I'm not trying to run the bling-bling thing. You know, keep a sense of modesty about you. So he's, because when you do, you get into what's called vainglory. It's vanity, and you're promoting vanity, and we've seen enough of that. Vanity, it, vanity, says the preacher. You know, it's, it, it doesn't amount to anything. It's idolatry, so it'll get you off of your seatedness. If you're trying to go for the vainglory thing, like, hey, be modest. If you're prospering, if you prosper, don't go tell everybody. You know, I remember one of my kids, he had like a few dollars, and he's like, look how much money I have. And our dog jumped up and ate it. <laughs> I was like, son, I hope you learned a lesson. Put that money back in your pocket and quit, you know, showing everybody what you got. You know, you don't need to be doing that. It was gone. I mean, the dog, he's like trying to get out of the dog's mouth. He's <laughs> got me $4 down right there. And then when he coughs it back up, it don't, you know, nobody's going to take it. We tried to wash it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Y'all heard of laundry money? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> self-restrained in victory i mean hey got the thing going right you know no he's just 
It's not about me, right? We had another big victory. Okay, you ever come away from that, you know, Cam Newton? I, anyways, I just like, I'm amazing, man, I'm amazing. <laughs> so I was like, well, you are, but you, you're no Peyton Manning. You know, <laughs> you know. It'll get the best of you there, Cam. It'll get the best of any of us. It's good to have a victory. Hey, we want to. But let's be self-restrained. Now, those things are, those, those qualities are a quality of priesthood. Now I finished uh, verse 1. You see how amazing why the apostles were like 25 times quoting, The Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies a footstool. And so I'm not pointing out all our enemies. I'm pointing out the heart qualities God's looking for in us. Yeah, I mean, he wants these qualities. I mean, I'm literally reading off my page from 11 years ago. So, um, so what do you think about this? Then we go to Psalms 110.2. What about that? Let's move on. Um, because now we've dealt with a priestly dimension, well, now let's deal with a, we could call it a kingly, queenly, or political dimension. So Psalms 110.2 deals in that, and, and, and here's what he said, the Lord extends your dominion from Zion. What is Zion? Well, I'll try to give you the best way I understand Zion. It's, first of all, it is not Sinai. Let's just put it that way. So we can say what it is not. But we could also say, you know, what it is. So what is Zion? Zion is the place where heaven and earth comes together. That's the best way I know how to describe it. There's not a distance between heaven and earth. When Melchizedek meets Abram, he says, Blessed are you, Abram, possessor. Abram had learned how to possess the heavens in himself. There wasn't a distance between earth and heaven in him. Nicodemus was struggling with this. Nicodemus says, a child can't be born again from its mother. Hey, um, if if you can't understand being born again in the earthly Nicodemus, how can I ever tell you of? Right, you can't understand heavenly things. I think that's why a lot of people looked at me cross-eyed because when you start talking heaven, they're just like, what are you talking about? But he had learned how to possess heaven and earth together in himself. When we're saying, Psalms 110, the Lord extends your dominion from Zion. You and I do not, our authority is in Zion. It's when heaven and earth comes together in you. You know the Lord's Prayer, right? Let's on earth, let's what's in heaven, what? Be on earth. And what's happened a lot of times is there's a big disconnect. Why? Because the Lord said to my Lord, look at me, um, not me. I mean, the Lord saying to the Lord, look at me, sit until I make your enemies a footstool. So we're not even getting to Zion. Because until your enemies in a priestly dimension, 110, or your footstool, how are you ever going to have any governing rule? You can't have dominion when your enemies are uh, keeping you flared up all the time. He takes your dominion, strips your dominion like that. And so the Lord wants to put us in a posture of this. You're seated. And then he says, now extend the dominion rule. Govern. Discharge my authority in the midst of your enemies. 
the Lord, uh, the Lord's went from internal now external. He's doing an internal character work in us, but now he's saying, discharge my government and my duty out externally out of you. There's some things that you're going to have to command. You're going to have to bring into being. There's some aspects you're going to have to declare. You, and you know, you know this. I'm sure you know this. When the enemy's eating your lunch or you've lost your seatedness in 110.1, it's like, okay, go ahead and try to pray. I don't know if that's happened to y'all. You don't feel like you're climbing the heights and you're like, take that. You know, it's like devil and all your, whatever your enemy is. Because we're beat down in 110.1. Wait, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Now, govern. Like rule in the midst of your enemy. Put a stop to what's going on with a verbal declaration. But it's not that weak thing. If it is, we need to go back and say, Lord, where am I being compromised because there's a compromise going on. I'm in unbelief or I'm dealing with something. It's compromised my voice. Because when the voice of authority comes out of you, you'll know it. And your enemy will know it. He has to bow the knee to that. Because now it's God's government is processing out of you. You're declaring the word of the Lord. David understood this. He ruled from Zion, literally, as king. And in the king dimension... The rod of your strength being out of Zion, there were, heart, there were qualities that he had or a skill set. We could say heart qualities of a priest, but a skill set of a... So about, about David in the end of Psalm 78, it'll say, he led Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hand. So the integrity of your heart is a priestly quality. But the skillfulness of your hand is a political, kingly, queenly quality. It's skill set. You know, some people call it soft skills or your hard skill set. It's a skill set. And David, he had this skill set. And you have skill set. I'll highlight some of his. It may not be particular to all of us. I don't know. He was a warrior. He was a strategist. Uh, he knew how to run strategy for war. He was a diplomat. He knew how to negotiate. He knew diplomacy, how to work, work things out. He was also a writer and a composer. And, and some of us may have some of these. We, some of you may have all of these. I, I don't know. But to some extent, some of these or all of these or part of these or whatever, and hopefully not none of these, <laughs> are a part of your life. Warrior, strategist, diplomat, writer, composer, musician, singer. A visionary. A nurturer. You know, mamas can relate to that a lot. You know, daddies can too to some extent. That's a primary quality of a mother. He has that nurturing capacity within him even as king. And one I really like inspires loyalty. Like, he's not like, well, I tell you what to do, you're going to do what I tell you to. No, it just, there's an inspiration to, to loyalty. It is, you're inspired to be loyal. It just inspires you to want to do what's right and to be faithful to those that are around you. And so, and so the, these are your skill set. And like I said, maybe you can relate to some of those, you know, a few of those, 
all of those? I, I don't know, and I'm sure it's not none of those. And so we get to 110.3, and uh, I was doing a, a paper, on, well, reading a paper on this this weekend, and I wanted to share this with you because there's a way to, like, understand 110.3 the best because in 110.3, what you have is you have now the blending of the priest heart quality dimension with the kingly queenly political office in 1103 they're going to be put together this came from a uh, a journal article a royal performance critical notes on psalms 1103 by william p brown out of the journal of biblical literature and this was his translation so the first part of it in in the a part your people will willingly follow you when you go into battle <laughs> i tell you that's a people don't normally do that let's just say that even sometimes like i was military and sometimes like if a um, the commander says go take that heel so to speak and you know if you go take that heel you're going to die you know, or take your tank battalion in there and everybody's going to die. And uh, in, in the service, if you ran, if you run, they used to shoot you. Some of the officers would stand there and wait for the enlisted to run. Or they'd put an NCO, which is a non-commissioned officer with a, a rifle. And if you start to flee off the battlefield, they're going to kill you because they're basically scaring you into that. You're going to fight and die or I'm going to kill you your own guy because we do not put up with disloyalty in the military well it's a lot it's bad today but it used to be like that and i'm not saying you should like kill and stuff but there's a thing about soldiering that's important especially as the people of god and what's interesting here is is he's not having to cut corners and work an angle to get people to follow there's no manipulation or control so there's no I'm going to force you to do what I tell you to, impose my will on you, and I'm not going to manipulate you to do what I want you to to get something back from me. Nope, nope, no. It says the people will follow willingly. They'll say, that's what I want, and I don't care if I die for it. I'm in. And it says they'll go right into the middle of the battle. Here was what William P. Brown said about the next part of that verse. In holy splendor, out of the womb, towards the dawn, go forth. Now, out of, out of splendor, in holy splendor, we're in a season right now in this ministry. Today actually marks the fifth day of investiture. Um, and to be invested upon is to receive authority for a higher office. And we're in the middle of that. I believe we'll have seven weeks of investiture. And so out of the womb, because in, in literature, and I don't know if y'all know this, but in literature, there's, a, there's something that you find out, and even in mythological literature, and, and you also see this scripturally, there's a birth, death, and rebirth cycle that actually we're all going through today when i first started out job is experiencing birth and then he says right elihu says to him maybe twice or three times the lord will deal with someone to bring their soul back from corruption 
That's a death process Job was going through. He didn't literally die, but it looked like everything was falling apart in his life for sure. And it was. It wasn't just it looked like. It was falling apart. And then he talks about, Elihu tells him that light would break forth in your life. And, of course, Job at the end will say, I heard of you by the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes see you. I abhor myself, I repent in dust and ashes. Because why? Because out of the womb there's a rebirth. And so in Psalms 110.3, there's, there's been a birthing, let's say, your salvation. That's your, you're being born again. You are literally born. You're born again into the kingdom. And then, I don't know if this has happened to y'all. I bet you it has. The Lord revealed himself in such an amazing way to you early on in your born-again state when you first were born again, and then you went through a long season of trials. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? God came and filled you, and, and you were touched, and you were just like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> what happened? I, I mean, and you've been holding that vision in your mind. I bet you have for a long time. You know what you've been in? You've been in a birth death. You're like, wait a minute. You brought me in to kill me. You know, what's going on? <laughs> this has been hard, right? I just want to uh, give you some confidence today from the way this works. I mean, even in the mythological literature, but much less that, forget that, the Word of God. When you're born, you're born again in the earthly sense, but you're reborn into the heavens. You're born in the earthly, like Nicodemus, right? He says that. But he said, I can't tell you of heavenly things. Hey, Nicodemus, some things are going to have to die. You got your eyes on the wrong stuff, buddy. If You've been a teacher of the law and you don't know this. I mean, you've been looking at the patterns of Scripture. I mean, don't you see the plan? I always do it this way. Birth, death, rebirth. Do you not read Job? Well, we don't like to read Job. <laughs> I just wanted a job. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to read Job. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, I wanted a job. <laughs> you know, the Lord's like, y'all keep getting this mixed up. You keep wanting a job, and I'm trying to get you to Job. <laughs> so there's death and there's birth born again death now good thing you didn't tell us <laughs> some of us we'd have been like uh, I don't really like signing up for your program <laughs> what is this like special forces I'm going to kill you 80,000 different ways <laughs> remember that one lady she said uh, I'll take you to the place where I died a thousand deaths <laughs> this happened to you hadn't it Melinda but there's a rebirth there's a rebirth in the heavens because you were made for heaven. You were made to relate to heaven and bring heaven to earth. So you, we've had to embrace the way of the Father. Moses said he knew his ways, but the people wanted to see his acts. Well, hey, I'm here to share with you his ways. So we, you can't bypass the death principle. God's going to work it out because he worked it out on the Son. The Son who did nothing wrong. Well, if he went that route, what do you think you and I are going to get past that route? John 13, he says, no servant is greater than his what? Master. He's the master. He's our father, Lord. I mean, he's the Lord. Well, we're not going to go around some kind of circumvent the way of Jesus. Uh, good news today that when Psalms 110.3 comes online, there's been, listen, in holy splendor, I'm investing you with power and authority 
out of the womb, born like a man-child, Revelation 12, into the heavens to be ascending to the throne. Right? He says, and then he says, toward the dawn go forth. The darkness has tried to crouch around us and come on us, but he's saying what? Look into the light now. Because it says about God that he's clothed himself in darkness. Moses said, I'm going into the darkness where God is. Because he knew, and we see it in James 1, that God is light. And in him is no variable or shadow of turning. So we, what he's inviting us in is not to meditate on the darkness anymore. Because when you're reborn, when you're born out of splendor, out of the womb, born into the heavens, the darkness is not the focus anymore. Now, go forth into the dawn. I've been looking at the wrong things. I was born for heaven. He says this, like dew, I have begotten you. You know what's interesting about that? Dust. Did you know you have to have what's called condensation nuclei? I did some classes on meteorology to fly, and I learned this in my meteorological class. If you look at this light shining down, you'll catch uh, some dust you know, floating around in here like that. Well, for dew to condensate, it has a condensate on what's called condensation nuclei, basically a piece of dust. And it'll gather onto it and condensate itself onto it. And then it'll drop. And in the Lord with us, a lot of us, this is why Zachariah will say something like this, don't despise the day of small things. <laughs> you know, that's a little thing, right? If you get enough of that, those little things, and you put enough condensation on it, you'll have a deluge. You'll have water everywhere because of condensation. But at first you can't see it, so it's unseen. Like do I have begotten you in the secret hidden place when no one knew the dust was mo moving around. God was coming in to condensate his life onto your dust. He was reforming something in light. Um, I, I think of this in the DNA now because he's been showing this to me. They taught that dark place that's in between the uh, double helix. They call it the junk DNA. It's not. That's the dust. That's the place that's not been fully tapped. The potential that sits inside of our humanity. That what they call junk DNA is the dust and the reason why they can't track this in physics, I think, is because, because I asked the Lord about this. I said, why do the Large Hadron Collider can pick up a Higgs boson, but they can't figure out dark matter? He said, I'll tell you why. He says, because that's what man has built. And I said, well, explain this to me, Lord. He said, I'm the only one that can move on that dust. And I'm not going to uh, do that for them like that when they want me to. Because I decide when I want to move on dust. And I said, oh, so we couldn't even observe it in this sense because it would be his decision to do it when he wants to. Do you see the difference? It takes an actor outside of our dimensional spaces to act upon that dust. Yes, it takes an inception. It, it, it's only something he could do. There comes a point when you just give everything over to him over and over and over. 
and over again. And the Lord says, oh, I like that. I'm going to condensate on that dust. <laughs> it, it opened my eyes up to Daniel 12. It says, out of the dusty ground they will awake some to everlasting life. And I thought, oh, that meant something else. Now I'm seeing it might mean something else. Out of the dusty ground, some will wake to eternity. Will awake. Now, you know, Kelly Manning brought this last week, I think it was. She says, Carol, I finally understand what you mean. He'll awaken a galactic progeny. It's in Daniel 12. I said, oh, thanks for telling me. I didn't know. I was trying to tell everybody. He said in 09, I'll awaken a galactic progeny. She said, it's right there in Daniel 12. Some, some, the dust is going to be begotten upon. You, you cannot beget something unless it comes from another source. So we offer up our dust. And I want to, I, I want to invite you into this. And I know you're doing this, but every time he gets another little dust particle and condensates on it, light is making more light, is making more light. Is making more light and now you're relating to light uh, so that let's say you have one little condensation dust with a little bit of water of light but what happens when it begins to grow yeah and the mechanism of light starts to come in and you become a light yeah there's an intensity of light that's breaking forth out of us the morning star he says in 2 Peter 1, he says, right, he says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get so much dust turned into light that you're going to get a nuclear bomb that's going to go off inside your soul called the morning star. I was like, oh, Lord, it's like a neutron star or something. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. You know, shwing, Oh, thank you. When light hits the water, it bends the light and reveals its spectrum. Mm, thank, man, you got the scientists over here. Latent heat, when, it, when there's condensation, the latent heat is released out of it in the condensate, condensating. And so latent heat or energy is released out of the condensation of the water onto our dust. So 110.3, isn't that amazing? I, William P. Brown put that together. He studied it. Did a four, he had a four-pager on this. In holy splendor, out of the womb, towards the dawn, go forth. Like dew, I have begotten you. Verse 4, I swear and will not repent. I'm not going back on it. You're a priest forever after order of Melchizedek. What happened today? I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, uh, you're, you're come up to the cape, to the horn. And I said, what, you mean like the, oh, I never even showed y'all what to draw on your paper. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. You draw, take and draw you an arrow like this, like this. And then at the top points, put one, one at the top and seven at the bottom. And then put four at the point or the apex of the point. And then what you do is you just put two and three going down to four off the top line. And then when it's coming back, 
put five, six, and seven. And so that's called a chiastic pattern. That's the, that's the uh, poetical device of Psalms 110. So when, I, when I'm saying this morning that it turns around the cape, when he says that to me, he says, you're turning out through 110.4 to come back to five. You know, and I'll, I'll finish up here this morning, but um, 110.5, O sovereign Lord, at the right hand. At the right hand, he strikes down kings. In the day, he unleashes his anger. Um, why, why is this important? I want to address something. In, when Jesus began his ministry in and he came into the tabernacle or the temple, the synagogue. It's called synagogue. And he goes into synagogue. He opens up the uh, scroll of Isaiah. He opens up to Isaiah chapter number 61. And he says five things that he is anointed by God to do. But he leaves off two. He doesn't finish verse 2b. And it's a little bit disappointing to all the Jews in that day because they're looking for, and this is in Luke 4.18, but they're looking for him to finish out Isaiah 61.2b. Do you know why? Because 61.2b, you know what it says? That he's going to comfort all those who mourn in Zion. And he's going to release the day of the vengeance of our God. And them guys are like, come on, man. If you're, okay. You're a carpenter from Nazareth. You're the Lord. Okay, let's do some vengeance releasing. <laughs> you know, I'm tired of this Roman oppression, this world government oppression. And what they don't realize is Jesus has to go die. And it makes his guys upset. I mean, Judas is really upset about it. Really upset. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of the guys are upset because they're ready to see a release of the vengeance of the day of our God. They know their Bible. They know the Isaiah scroll. Those guys knew, knew that material. And so the day of the vengeance of our God was, it was left undone. And the comfort and the gathering of the remnant was left undone. The Lord goes to the cross First Advent, he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And notice in Psalms 110.5 how important this is because in Luke 4.18, this is recorded. We were in Collider. I was teaching through Luke. The Lord tells me, stop in Luke 4.18. IHOP's having a big encounter with Luke 4.18. And uh, Prince Philip dies and something. They have this whole thing. I don't remember exactly what happens, but it's a big, it happens at the exact same time. Uh, Kurt Bennett comes in, visits with me, and it's this whole Luke 4.18. And I, it was just a really fascinating thing. And I can't go into it because it would take up too much time this morning. But it was like the Lord had finished a part of this passages, but he's left 5, 6, and 7 for us. The Father wanted to demonstrate something in the earth, and he said, um, he's going up there. And then he's going to release something. And I, I really believe the apostolic band was like, oh, man, we wanted this to happen now. We're really aggravated about this. We love the Lord. But, I mean, we really want to see this thing come off. And that's why they were talking Psalms 110 so much in the end time passages. Because they're like, oh, we hope that when we pass our words down, 
our legacy into Scripture. We, we are praying, Lord, get a hold of them. Get a hold of them in the end times. Raise up, raise up a, a people, a company. Do what is unseen, unheard of. And blend the office of priests and political. Bring forth a man-child company. Bring forth a Melchizedek order. Bring this thing forth so that they can begin to release the day of the vengeance of our God and gather a remnant unto the Lord for the end times. Today, 327, 2022, today in your hearing marks a beginning of what is in the very heart of our Father. That His Son would see a demonstration of His self and what His blood purchased for us and in us for the release of the vengeance of the day of our God and the release of the comfort of those who mourn in Zion. I know this from the Lord. We've been prepared by Him for this. It, it, it will go on a global stage. The Father in the display of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to see the accomplishment of Isaiah 61. He came out here in the middle of 75 hidden bluffs, selected a bunch of people, and he said, hey, let's get this done. And yeah, hey, we've all been through a lot, all of us. And there's many more of our brothers and sisters that will join this next move of God. Actually, the Lord said it'll be tens of millions. Now, I believe him. It's not something to boast in. It's just got to happen because a remnant family has to come together. We're going to come together. God's raising up leadership in the end times because God always has leadership on the earth. Why? Because of the day of the vengeance of our God. Revelation 5, Jesus takes the scroll. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting closer because it says a man child is caught up to God into his throne. God's looking for a quality in us. Not just quantity, the fullness of the Gentiles, but a quality. Christ in us, the mystery that uh, Jeff Manning spoke of, the mystery. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the mystery. We've rounded the horn. For many of us, it would seem like it was a, such a restrictive place that has got us off of. We, we thought that that was it. And that restrictive place was it, and it seemed so dark and bleak to us. And the Lord would challenge you to say, no. No, 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 not now. Now's time for you to look and shine, go forth to the dawn. He, now, now's the time. Yeah, you've been through hell. Yeah. You've been killed a thousand times over. Why? For the Lord to become everything. You're rounding, rounding out the cape now. We're coming back around up to verse 5. The release of the war scroll. The release of, it's time to bring down this Shimehaza. 
these, uh, these ancient powers that have ruled in dominion seeds. It's time for the church to actually rise into their place. It's time that it's not just intellectual or experiential ascent, but it's reality. Look, it has to be reality. A lot of people claim these verses, but they're not living in it. No, we need reality. Not some fake assumption because I placed myself into somewhere and I'm deceived. No, no, no. We need reality. Let us not lie to ourselves. Pat people, pat each other on the back and pretend, be pretenders in God's house. Let us not be like that. Let us be real before Him and let Him be real before us. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, round the horn, round the thing, round number four, come back, return. I'm calling for a return, says the Lord. I'm calling for a return of my remnant family. I've had them in exile. You, many of us have been in exile. We've been in exilic conditions for so long. Some of us got so good at the language of the wilderness that we don't know what the language of the promise is. We've become so wilderness-minded that we don't know. Listen, you're not going to eat from the manna, but from the corn. I suffered you to hunger in the wilderness so that you would know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And all we need is a word to go on. I don't need something else to tell me, bread to tell me that I'm right with God. All I need is a word from God. I can move on a word. But give me a word to move out on. I'm moving on that. Bread will follow that word. Bread isn't meant to precede that word. It's meant to follow it. Let the bread follow it. Lord. Thank you for ministering to us this morning. I thank you for the promise of no disease and sickness in this space. I thank you for the promise that we don't have lack that we are the people of the plenty. I, I thank you, God, because your word, whatever your word says to us, we stand on it in truth, and we we stand by that no matter what everything is assaulting telling us. I thank you for these heart qualities. I thank you for the skill set. I pray you release it, Lord, this morning on us. I pray that I thank you, God, that you're busting all our paradigms. I thank you for all the blank slate reality you can bring, Lord. I thank you for it. Thank you for this, your people, Lord. Thank you for where this is going in the great gathering, in the great harvest, of, in the great reaping into the nations.
took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
Behold.